0: Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, and this year that falls on February 14th, Valentine's Day.
1: We want to help you appreciate that with Jesus at the cross, you are unforsaken by God. You are totally loved forever. For
0: Lent and Holy Week, we hope you'll join our tradition of meditating on the gospel stories in our booklet titled, Unforsaken, with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross.
1: Let's begin the journey right now.
0: Well, I was blessed this morning, Bill, to wake up to a text from you saying that you had written a devotional on Lent and uh, Valentine's Day being the same day this year. It was titled, You Are Unforsaken, A Resource for Lent. And so I I went to your computer to read it, and it, was, it really blessed me, honey. I was really, really appreciative of your taking time to really Share your thoughts about this and to write this. I really encourage our listeners to read this devotional, You Are Unforsaken, a Resource for Lent. I love the way that you went through Jesus's last words on the cross and, you know, helped us to hear them fresh in a new way. That really blessed and ministered to me. So thank you for being so loving and you're using your gifts as a writer to articulate these things that really help us to receive God's love, even at Lent at a time when. I know for me I can tend to be defended against that. <laughs> there's a part of me that just in my pride doesn't want to face the sacrifice that Christ made because it's painful and to think about my sin being that bad. And then also there's a part of me that just doesn't like to look at that because of just all the suffering involved. And I know we're gonna talk more about that, but you've given us some resources that really help me to receive God's love in new ways and in deeper ways and to share that with our listeners. I'm grateful for that. In fact I was also encouraged because this morning we got an email from our friend Vicky, and she said, David and I will be doing your Unforsaken book for Lent this year. I was blessed by your podcast series on the Unforsaken booklet last year.
1: Yeah, thank you, David and Vicki, and I uh, hope all of you know, if you weren't with us, uh, one year ago, back uh, starting with February 25th, 2017, we did our first podcast with the same title of the devotional Christ is referring to, uh, which hopefully you've already read because that was in your email uh, just a few days ago, but the title is You Are Unforsaken. So that's uh, what we believe is the message of Lent, and so it's in the seven last words of Christ, which I was meditating on that this morning as I went out for my run with Jesus, time to be out in beauty and to pray and to meditate, and I've memorized the seven last words of Christ on the cross, and I was going through them in my mind. I was so inspired by this meditation. That's why I wrote this devotional, because it was blessing me. Uh, But the the words of Jesus, this is sort of some fresh wording here, but they are, All your sins are forgiven. Your most hopeless situation can be paradise. Your worst pain is comforted. When you feel forsaken, you're not. Your deepest thirst is satisfied. At your death, you can come fully alive. Always, the Abba of Jesus is there to hold you.
0: That's good and loving news for us.
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate, Christy, as do our listeners, your courage to articulate the the feelings uh, that you're having and the inner struggle, because you're speaking for all of us. Any of us who are self-aware enough and humble and courageous enough will admit that we have a certain discomfort if not resistance, to uh, Lent and to the cross, that we wince. Uh, There's something excruciating going on here. Uh, Yeah, it's our pride that doesn't want to admit that we're sinful, but it's also our not wanting to admit how much pain we're in, how alone we feel, how rejected we feel, how ugly and unsuccessful we feel. These are things that we all struggle with. Shame, whether it's because of bad things we've done or bad things have been done to us or just because we feel like we're not enough, Mm -hmm. is something that every person I've ever talked to struggles with. They don't necessarily call it shame, but we all deal with these feelings of criticism, inadequacy, unworthiness, insignificance, and that's what Jesus is dealing with at the cross.
0: That's so surprising because we don't tend to think of other people having those feelings.
1: Yeah, we feel like I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. Other people seem so uh, attractive and successful. We look at their Facebook posts, and things just seem to be going so well for them. And But we feel like we're inferior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Jesus is saying, look, I have come for you to reconcile you with God the Father. So the journey of the cross with Jesus is the very center point of the Christian faith. And it's the most important thing for us to understand and to believe in and receive in our life is the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ that brings us into intimacy with God and abundant and eternal life. And that is good news.
0: But so often it's tempting to feel like it's this Horrible news, especially now in today's culture. There's a lot of people giving verbiage to this. It looks like child abuse. It looks like God's abusing his son. Why would I want to trust a God like that?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of wrath going on at the cross of Christ. I don't think it's so much about God's wrath as it is about the wrath of soldiers and religious leaders and sinful people. And God is there, I believe, loving Jesus all throughout
0: well, unpack that a little bit more for us, honey, how you see that.
1: Well, one of the places I see it is the place where it seems to be most hidden, and that's in Psalm 22. So verse 1 of Psalm 22, Jesus uh, cries out uh, these famous words, one of the seven last words of Christ on the cross that's right in the middle of the sequence. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting verse 1 of Psalm 22. And so we so often think of that as being a statement of fact, that God has forsaken Jesus, because Jesus is carrying our sin, and that's how horrible our sin is. But we may not realize, uh, those of us who hear sermons and read articles and books on this view of the atonement, that that's a theory, and there are other theories. And the Bible is not really so clear about that. as to, There's a mystery here as to what's going on in the atonement. But Psalm 22 itself, if you just go back to the psalm that Jesus is quoting, typical of the psalms, the psalms are about experience. They're about emotion. They're about uh, what's going on in our life and how we're reacting to that, and we're praying through that. So uh, it's a lot about the emotions that are going through us. And, I mean, psalms are prophetic of, of Christ also, so, so there's different aspects going on in the psalms. But Jesus is borrowing these words from David to describe his experience and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is, in fact, forsaking Jesus because he's carrying our sin. And if you just carry through the rest of that psalm, you see the psalms go on to describe how you have not forsaken me, you've not abandoned me, you've not left me, but you have continued to love me. And there's very tender words there that give you the feeling of God is, is a loving mother that's there holding the, the one who feels forsaken. And so there's great resolution in that psalm.
0: How did you come to see that?
1: Oh, through study, through reading and rereading the psalm, and asking questions, and uh, reading some things. I read an article years ago that a messianic Jew had written about Psalm 22, and he talked about how in the ancient times Psalm 22 and Psalm 23 were connected; they were one psalm. And he talked about the idea of a remiz when you say the first line of a song or a poem uh, or a psalm. In this case, that. That's often used as a a way of invoking the whole, meaning that the whole flow of that psalm is being appreciated and prayed. And so to think of Jesus on the cross praying Psalm 23 really blesses me and really gives this picture that God is there with Jesus, shepherding Jesus, caring for him and loving him. And I believe that's where Jesus gets the strength to be so loving towards all of his enemies there at the cross.
0: Is from his Father's love.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I remind myself, I will hold a picture in my mind of an ancient icon that I've seen where the Father is portrayed at the cross, holding Jesus as Jesus is on the cross, and the Holy Spirit is there like a dove on Jesus. And so it's like, yes, God, Abba, you're holding Jesus, and you're holding me, and you're holding us all.
0: It's really beautiful, honey, and you're talking there about spiritual reality, about the unseen reality of the kingdom of god
1: well that's what's so important i just constantly remind myself of this we're bihabitational creatures we have physical bodies we live in a visible world with circumstances that are evident uh, but there is an, an invisible realm our father in secret as jesus says is always there loving us and so the father and son intimacies that jesus speaks of and demonstrates in his life are unbroken throughout his life and are the eternal state of things, I believe. And that that is what Jesus is bringing to us, is this perfect, unfailing love of God. It's the best news.
0: It is good news. And it also is interesting as you talk about Jesus invoking the Psalms on the cross there with his words. That makes sense to me because I've learned to do that. You know, I I've, I've memorized some psalms. I'm sure Jesus memorized psalms, you know, and and sang them in synagogue and on pilgrimage. And so memorizing psalms sometimes I don't maybe have time to sit down and meditate on the whole psalm, but I can pull up a line or a verse from it, like from Psalm 46, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. And Maybe just by recalling that, it helps me to be immersed back into the whole spiritual reality of the kingdom of God of, oh, yeah, I'm in the kingdom. God is my refuge and my help. I don't need to depend upon myself to secure myself. I don't need to. I'm not alone in, in this suffering or this trial.
1: Yeah, you just say that verse, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And because you've memorized that psalm, as I have, the whole flow of God's life in that psalm comes to you, and you find yourself transported to the river whose streams make glad the people of God. And that's a really happy river. That's a vibrant flow of living water there in that psalm. And it's not just uh, the Jordan River in Israel. That river is flowing right at your feet, and it's calling you to take a drink. It's right where we are. And so when we say that verse, because we've said it so many times, we've sang it, we've meditated on the whole psalm, it brings the whole psalm with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was bringing the whole Psalm 22 and Psalm 23 with it to mind and to heart for himself and for us.
0: Well, and it also helps me because it helps me to rely on God's presence and power with me as I lean into looking at Christ on the cross, which I need to be held Mm -hmm. by his love to do that.
1: Yeah, and all of our trials, whether it's our sins or the sins of others against us or just physical uh, sicknesses and disease, challenges, conflicts, so many hurts and difficulties, this is what we need to know. We're not forsaken. We're not alone. We are loved. So relying on the presence of God with us is really the great key of the Christian life. And so it just saddens me that often the thing that's really at the very heart of the gospel and the cross of Christ is hidden and lost in the dark when we come to uh, Lent and Holy Week and when we turn to the, the words of Christ on the cross. Some of the messages that we hear come across to us like, oh, okay, God is really angry. And in his holiness and in his justice, he's just got to be really mean to Jesus now and and give him a beating. And, well, but it's good for us because we're forgiven. It's like, it's just hard to get to that last Mm -hmm. part of that theory. Mm -hmm. And, And it's presented like it's just, this is the facts, this is the way it is. And there are other theories of this going back to ancient times. This particular theory of the atonement that's so popular now was not the theory in the early church. That came along later. So it's important for us to remind ourselves that, well, you know, You and I aren't going to understand the the totality of what's going on at the atonement, and certainly Jesus is carrying our sin. Certainly there is justice, and God is a judge, and that's part of the reality here. But whatever else we're going to say about it, we cannot forget that God is love, and the love of God uh, for Jesus and for us, that is the main message of the cross.
0: Yeah, it's so helpful to me, the scripture that talks about that for the joy set before him, Christ endured suffering on the Mm -hmm. cross. And I think parenting has helped me to understand that because as parents, we all suffer for Mm -hmm. our children in love, out of love for them. And even right now seeing our daughter, you know, who's pregnant, I'm proud of her because I'm seeing the way that she is suffering in love for her daughter, Juliet, in her womb Mm -hmm. and the ways that she's, you know, she's been suffering in her body through sickness and pain and discomfort. She's, been suffering through missing out on things and experiencing losses in her life, things she can't do. And all of that, I'm I'm seeing her love for Juliet, and it's out of this joy set before her because she hasn't yet met her.
1: So tell us more about the joy set before. You've been pregnant three times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and thank you for that. Three precious children that we have, all adults now. And so what is the joy in the midst of all this pain and suffering of pregnancy because we're tempted to think that the joy is oh when the child comes which is the great joy but is that the only place the joy is
0: no and the suffering doesn't stop when the child comes no,
1: either that's so. for sure
0: <laughs> so, all no. the parents out there
1: appreciate that
0: <laughs> yeah and, it, and the joy isn't just in the birth because the joy keeps going too the suffering keeps going but the joy keeps going too because there's this participation in the life of of God and what He's doing, this participation with Him in what God is doing through the child's life and through me in my, my obedience and by my cooperation and by my responsiveness and, and service, and I get to participate in the love of God for my child.
1: Yeah. So the other day we felt Juliet kicking in Jenny's womb, and that was joyful, and we've prayed for her, and I've been writing these uh, letters from Papa to Jenny and to Juliet.
0: They're really, really special.
1: So there are a lot of things that come along that are happy experiences in the middle of the difficulties of being pregnant. And it's the same for Jesus on the cross, I believe, that what is so obvious to us is the torture and the suffering. But if we look closely with spiritual eyes, we can see God the Father and the angels there uh, loving Jesus, And in the midst of all that's going wrong and friends and disciples abandoning Jesus, we can find uh, Mary and John returning to Jesus and coming close and being there. And a little further back, other followers that get there. And Jesus is being loved. He is being cared for. And you can bet that he is drawing tremendous strength and hope and love And even joy and peace in the midst of all that suffering, there is the the presence of God, at work in his life, and that's why he's able to be so loving to his enemies.
0: It doesn't look very hopeful on the cross, but I think you say faith and hope, faith and love spring from hope.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's what Paul teaches.
0: So that hope, and so as we look to Christ on the cross, we can see hope.
1: Yeah, and Jesus, he has hope. He has hope of the resurrection, and he has hope that God will come through for him, even in the midst of, I believe, his statement invoking Psalm 22 and the forsakenness that he's describing something he's feeling, that he's going through something along the lines of a dark night of the soul there. And we we all know what it feels like to feel forsaken, and Jesus goes through everything that we do. He's tempted to sin and goes through trials in all the same ways as we are, Hebrews tells us. And so I think that that's what he's feeling, but I think he, at the same time, has a knowing and a trust based on his life experience that God is his loving Father and is caring for him and will take him through this.
0: And also a hope that we'll respond to mm-hmm. his love and his life as well.
1: Yeah, and that's so touching when we think about, you know, it's, it's really true that if you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have gone to the cross for you. That, that's how personal God's love for us. That's Jesus looking down through the centuries to come at you and at me and offering us the smile of God.
0: Well, that's where it's helpful to take courage and to lean into the stations of the cross that you've put together here in the Unforsaken booklet and draw close to that and to respond, to see God's love and to respond to it for me. And I need it every year. I mean, I need it more than every year, but this is a special way to receive God's love anew.
1: Well, I look forward to uh, going through the booklet uh, with you, Christy, and walking the stations of the cross and stopping at each gospel story here. They're in the booklet, each picture, uh, each meditation and prayer, and pausing there and go through it in 45 minutes or an hour or a little more. And have a, a time that's really up close and personal with Jesus. And it's been a become a very special tradition for yes. me that we do that together during Lent. And just hope that our friends that you all will join us in that. We will be thinking of you and praying for you this season as we go through Unforsaken with Jesus on the stations of the cross. And you can get that booklet on our Soul Shepherding website in the store, or you can get it on Amazon, and all the revenue goes to support our soul shepherding ministry.
0: Yeah, and honey, our listeners might want to know that if we want to define the devotional or the book, Unforsaken, we would just go to our browser and enter Soul Shepherding Unforsaken and the links would come up. Right. So it's easy to find these resources just by a keyword even.
1: Yeah, and if you want to find a past podcast, let's say you want to listen to the Lent podcast from last year, because this year we're not going to do a whole series on Lent week by week like we did last year. If you go onto the Soul Shepherding website and you go to the archive of podcasts, which you can get to by just doing an internet search on Soul Shepherding Podcasts or Soul Talks Podcast, uh, you'll see a lineup of them there. And the first one uh, was titled, You Are Unforsaken, was February 25th, 2017. And then each week following there, all the way up through Easter, is another week in the Unforsaken journey. And what we did is we went through the booklet a couple of stations at a time, sharing our experiences and and reflections from the gospel and things that we were feeling and struggling with and our hopes and blessings and all of that, having a soul talk on each of the stations of the cross.
0: The other thing that our listeners might not know is the booklet does have pictures of each of the stations of the cross, so you don't have to physically go to a place where there are stations of the cross that you walk. Mm-hmm. You can do it sitting in a chair or mm-hmm. laying in bed, or you don't know, you know have to be somewhere where there actually are physical stations of the cross.
1: It's a prayer walk. You can do it in about an hour, or you can do it for uh, ten or fifteen minutes a day for a few different days each week during Lent.
0: Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love for us, for showing us your love and for reminding us of your love. We pray and ask, Lord, that you would give us the courage to draw near to you and to receive your love deeper into our souls and to respond back with more love for you and your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus' suffering tempts me to think that God seems mean and to shut down emotionally. But Unforsaken shows me that actually God is caring for Jesus and for me.
1: I see how I can be more like Jesus.
0: Doing the Stations of the Cross was a surprise blessing for me.
1: Tears flowed. Seeing Jesus' sacrifice, I received a deep healing for the abuse I went through.
0: These are testimonies from readers of Unforsaken, our booklet which you can get in the store at soulshepherding.org or Amazon.
1: We hope you'll join our journey with Jesus.